My name is Yuri Lowenthal. My name is Travis Sintel. And you are awaited. You are awaited. Tell me, tell me, Travis. It is a Mad Max Yuri Road podcast <laughs> where Travis Sintel and Yuri Lowenthal geek the fuck out about a film that has had some ink spilled about it, not nearly enough. They interview famous people. Uh, they, they uh, we just became they. they, they well, now it's we're getting into sort of lore today. We're getting okay. into to, uh, mythic lore. Okay. They uh, watch four minutes of the film at a time and they discuss it ad nauseum. They dig into every detail of this deep and robust mythology. They talk to designers, sound designers, actors, stuntmen. Maybe directors at some point if the <laughs> world kinda, smiles. That'd all be a hell of a way to end the show. Yeah, well, we're trying, everybody. Um, and they generally uh, share good bonhomie with each other. And bon that's, the, that's, the, um, that's the podcast we're doing. That is the podcast we're doing. Uh, we have, we've actually finished the movie at this point, um, but uh, we've, we've saved a little bit of credits in the hopes that, uh, that Joe Lynch may finish it out with us. And Let me and, ask you a question, yeah, Yuri. Yeah. Are you enjoying yourself? I'm still enjoying myself. Lovely, isn't it? I'm still enjoying myself. It's I don't want it to fun. end. It's fun. Uh, it is. Speaking of, of uh, sons that are perfect in every way, Yuri's son has not been sleeping well. No, no. So Yuri's terrible. tired. I just want to say that Yuri's tired. And I will say that, you know, before rolling the podcast, Yuri looks sad and tired. And then when we start rolling and, and we start talking about Mad Max, Yuri's uh, eyes light up. He sits up in his seat. His nipples get hard and he gets into it. What am I going to do? When we're done, you're going to uh, <laughs> cry, <laughs> cry, cry often. Yeah, uh, it's going to be very sad uh, for you. Uh, apparently, <laughs> that's all I want to say. Xanax. Yeah, Xanax uh, it. Thank you for joining us uh, today. I, I'm, I'm glad that we finally got an actor on the show. Quentin last week. Yeah, Quentin was great uh, last week. Was a, was our first actor, and if he's the only actor we get, it was a it was a good day. He's just a joyous fella, and I, I appreciate that about him. He, he is really a, is. He is a happy, joyous fella, and if you have again, if you haven't looked at his YouTube channel, please do that because yeah. he Q, is Q, legit Q, Q fun. Q Kenahan, K E N I H A N. Yep. Um, that's after the YouTube. Yep. Dot com. Check him out. Check him. So out. Yuri. Yeah. Today. Mm hmm. We is something that um, I like. Say what can what what do they possibly have left to talk about? Well, guys, uh, we're gonna what? spill these things. It's probably the lighter notes of this episode, so you probably already know oh, what we're shit, trying to tease you right. with. Which they doesn't know. make a lot of sense. They know. They know. Um, oh, we're, they know. Yeah, we're, we're doing the comic book. Guys. We're doing the comic book. Uh, now, so about thirty yeah. episodes of this, yeah, of, of this of, podcast. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, we'll do we'll do. Uh, Ten episodes per comic book. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> we'll stretch it out. Well, I refused to read the comic book for a long time, not not out of some sort of sense of uh, superiority or laziness, maybe because laziness. Because you don't know how to read. Because I don't know how to read. Because Pictures, they're luckily. <laughs> because um, I, I, uh, I lost the comic book, is what happened. And I was embarrassed to tell anyone, and eventually I bought another comic book on the internet and returned that one to Yuri instead. Uh... So when I did that, though, I bought two. I bought two. I bought one for myself. I bought one for Yuri. Returned the new one. Um, the one you loaned me wasn't signed or anything, was it? No. Okay, so fine. No harm, no uh, foul. You know, I had, I had a chance to make you feel really bad about it. I know. I thought it. for it's, sure uh, you would. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, a non-tired Yuri wouldn't have missed that opportunity. <laughs> no, no, no. So that zero. proves that you are quite tired. Um, but I did, in fact, go back and read it uh, 20 episodes ago. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Whenever we talked about it. Yeah. 
and then um, reread it for today. And I don't know. I feel the same way as you. I feel like it's. I'm torn between wishing we had read it before we started doing the podcast because we would have asked right. fewer dumb questions. Sure. Also, though, I I stand by the idea that a lot of our listeners wouldn't have read the comic book and enjoyed, hopefully, um, hearing people puzzle through some things that were just in the film. I'm glad that when I first read it, it was it was early on. You know, I had maybe just seen the movie a couple of times. And I burned through the comic book. And then, you know, just sort of set it down. And I'm really glad that we've taken this time to go over it and then gone back to the comic book. Mm-hmm. Because it does answer a lot of questions. It does flesh things out. And it is not just a... Um, uh, a novelization of the film or, you know, just random stuff to, to, to sell more Mad Max things. It, these, are, these are legitimate stories, and Mark Sexton talks about it in the beginning of... I think it's Mark. talks about it in the beginning of the comic. Um, yeah. Uh, he talks about how he, he got involved, but then he talks about how George wanted to tell these... This, is all, this was all part of the backstory that was part of the film, mm-hmm. and they just didn't have room for it. Yeah. It wasn't part of that story. It's um, but, almost agreed just that we wouldn't discuss um, something canonical in conjunction with this content, uh, with this with this podcast, because this is certainly canonical material. This is um, established by the creative team of the film. It's written by uh, Nico and Mark, um, and then a, a story story by George. So it's mm-hmm. all of the same creative team, um, minus Brendan McCarthy, uh, that's credited in the film as writers yeah. of the film. Yeah. So, so and I it mean, fits. Yeah. It all it all fits. Um, uh, so originally, guys, we had talked about there's four. The, this, the comic book collection is is um, divided into four. It was four comic books that stand alo- stood alone mm-hmm. that were collected into one mm-hmm. uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And it's, and it's sort of three story. Well, it's it, it breaks down in a funny way because mm-hmm. the first is sort of Nux, but also Immortan Joe. Mm-hmm. I mean, arguably more Immortan Joe's mm-hmm. history than than Nux's, but um, but we we learned some some choice details about. It. And then and then it's Furiosa and the wives. Yep. And, and oddly, and uh, what uh, the war rig, and and then yeah, and well, and then sort of Max Max's story is sort of split into, into two, and then yeah, and then that 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 last bit, um, the war rig, which, as much as I liked all the other stuff, it was really it may be my favorite sort of tale. It's really cool. Yeah, it, it also affirms one of the things we've sort of circled around, which is that the war rig is a main character of the film. Yeah, it gets its own comic book. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, truth. Yeah, truth, and, and it's super, yeah. super rad. Um, yeah. So, as a opening idea, I would say to everyone, go get it. Yeah. Um, before we dig in, we're gonna talk is, a little bit about things that kind of came up. Uh, I'm conscious of not wanting just to summarize the comic book um, yeah. because you can't go buy it, but we're gonna cover some of the material today, uh, class. And <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Take out your textbooks, your, your Mad Max Fury Road textbooks. Uh, also, you and I are sitting here in his man cave uh, where we've recorded every single one of the episodes except for one. Except for Greg Van Borsum? Is that Oh, is that two correct? then, because we did one in the car. Oh, that's right. Uh, right. And so we went to see Black and Crow. Yeah, and we both have our own copy of the comic book. We're, uh, <laughs> we're as prepared for this podcast as we've been for, as we've any, been for any podcast, podcast thus yet. far. Like, we really... We're really doing it right I am, now. I am embarrassed to say that I know we went and saw Black and Chrome at the premiere, so it was it was cool, but um but Cine Family is is not the best screen necessarily to Correct. see things like that on. Correct. Um, I or the could best not agree uh, more. Sound, like and I'm embarrassed that I haven't gone back to the Arc Light or where it has been playing recently. Yeah. Uh, maybe not there anymore. It may have only played for a week. Um to see it again in 
on on a beautiful screen with a beautiful sound system. I'm I'm sad that I but but again I have this five and a half month old kid who yeah, sucks my I, time. Yeah, what a jerk, right? Right. I He's did, the worst. Yeah, perfect, perfect in most ways. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except for sleeping. Except for um, sleeping. I I I do I do wish that I, I had seen a sharper version of it. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't as sharp as maybe I would have wanted it to be. Right. But have you, you guys do? seen it? You have to let us know um, via via Twitter or also, the. Uh, or the, the, the email. Uh, Speaking uh, at, at yeah. you are awaited and you are awaited at gmail.com. Correct. Um, thank you for all the communication and interaction of the last three weeks, yeah. four weeks, guys. It's been really meaningful to us. Uh, I know we're not the most, I don't know, maudlin of people. Well, listen, we're not super masculine. I'm not trying to say that we're have any degree of. I've been pretty maudlin lately. As we've approached the end of the as we've approached the end of the podcast, I've gotten pretty maudlin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and part of. Just to play off that, I think um, it's meant a lot to us that you guys interact. We don't always um, read all this stuff on air anymore. We've kind of gotten too many to, to start doing that. But we read everything and then geek out amongst ourselves about it. That, that, um, that people are paying attention to. Yeah, well. A, that yeah. people are paying attention, but B, the smart shit that you guys say. Yeah. Um, we go back and forth about a lot of it before we record just to talk about, A, how weird it is that people listen to this. That's the thing we're still yeah. stunned and stymied by. But, but B that um, we seem to have a listening base that's smarter than us, yeah. which is, I and guess, what you want. And you've been very polite about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the yeah. politely addressing the things that we fuck up. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I like that I about, love, about I love, our community here. I love the idea that they're so kind to someone who took 45 episodes <laughs> to learn the names of the fucking characters. I swear to God, guys, I'm not an idiot. I just am bad with names. Um, and had a hard time for some reason with this because no one fucking uses the names. Anyway, let's, well let's well, let's it. let's start with name then because the 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 first comic is is Nux's. Well, well first before we get to Nux, um, it starts off with and answers the question that we had in one of the most recent episodes, which is first history man. Yes. And I always thought it was missing like a first history of man, like it was from a book. Yeah. But it's it's a guy with history tattooed all over his body, yep. and in essence, Miss Giddy was the first history woman. It's great, it's great. It's so smart. I, it's, I'm, it's, I'm it's, so yeah, sad I forgot when we covered that because uh, we both read the comic. We book. both read the comic book, but again, I, I love that good I, that host. I came back to it <laughs> after all of this. Yeah, no, um, it, it, it's an incredible idea, and I just want to talk for a second about the idea of that mm -hmm. because the idea, and this is this is hinted at in the film. Um, the idea that everything has been destroyed. You don't have trees, so you don't have paper. Mm -hmm. You don't have um, everything that can be used sort of being reclaimed for some other um, mm -hmm. logistic purpose. Right. Um, you know, logistical meaning transportation or war. Yep. It's not for preserving education. All the books are locked up in this sort of citadel um, room where the wives are. And that there is no uh, history books anymore. It's not a place to write Loose leaf notes. There's no pens, you know. Yeah. And the idea that there are walking repositories of knowledge where information is crystallized and preserved onto skin is mm -hmm. so fucking smart. Yeah, man. And, and the little bits that he calls word burgers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's There's, so yeah. The smart. little 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 snippets here and there. It's just because a... they don't have any. All the books were destroyed. Yeah. Except for the books that Immortan Joe has in this little enclave for for the wives. And the idea that someone had to go through all of the information that existed and parse and decide what to keep in the in the fall. What mm -hmm. what if you had only your body to tattoo? And mm -hmm. listen, these drawings are great. Mark Sexton did these drawings. Um, 
the drawings of that it opens on of the first History Man is awesome. It's Miss Giddy uh, as basically as played by Ben Kingsley. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, absolutely right. So it's just every square centimeter of his body is tattooed with words, and mm -hmm. um, it's it's a really striking image. It's something I had never seen before. Yeah. And Miss Giddy obviously brings that to life in the film, and in, in, in terms of an actual character. Um, but it's it's just an it, it makes me like most things in Mad Max makes me think so hard about the external backstory of that the mm -hmm. idea that someone had to go okay you know it's the idea of your house is burning what do you what do you grab right, right? the world's falling apart what information is worth yeah. preserving and is it is it just facts that you preserve do you preserve commentary do you preserve a choice turn of phrase right. And the, the, the lore and the mythology. What are you, what are you going to communicate? Because he, he says at the end, and I'll because I've because I've got the comic here. Yeah, I will I will quote. Um, uh, he says he says, and in the end, what is history but a record of such failures? Because he's talking about the cycle beginning again of violence. Um, he says, but maybe that very idea offers up a solution. Perhaps we should try not to be part of history. If we understand and change our behaviors, maybe we can be the future. Mm. I mean, it's all great. Yeah. It's, it's it's great, and and this comes off of uh, something we talked to, we touched on with with Quentin last week. Is that uh, the uh, the end of this, which 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 sort of stretches beyond the film? What happens after Furos and the wives come back? Um, it there's there's a panel that shows Corpus with a wife, and you can't tell who it is. It it is it is cleverly. Uh, uh, shown in a way that you don't know which one it is, but, uh, but Quentin says they can't keep giving water to all comers. It's seen as weakness. Soon someone will try to take it from you. Pa understood that. You're smart like him. Show you're strong. Take control. Save us all. And it's, and it's, it's, you know, and then it goes into him talking about the cycle beginning again. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the, the sort of the nihilistic end that, uh, yeah. that, that we, uh, we were hoping would not be the case, but History repeats itself. Yeah, boy, does it. Um, let's just quickly tell the tell the listeners what happens in this um, the backstory of a Morton Joe and sort of the rise of the Citadel. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get some Nux here. Um, mm -hmm. The the reference to Nux's name that we have is he's a hard nut to crack, right? Um, which lends credence to some of our theories. And and right. talking to some of the other story um, developers on the film, it sounds like there's a like most things in this film. Has a couple uh, meanings and and a couple uh, ways into it, but hard not to crack for sure is, yeah. is uh, as one. Yeah, he was a scrappy little survivor. He was a survivor, scrappy kid. Um, I'm not as I, I don't love I don't I don't love his backstory as much as some of the other stuff in the comics. Honestly, well, it's it's, it's there's there's not a lot there. It's, yeah, it's he and it feels like almost yeah. retro. This is the one area that felt retroactive to me because I think what makes Nux interesting to me is he's not a special. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I, we've we've I, talked about that before. He is, he is, he, you know, he's he's not sort of your classic alpha. He's not this huge, you know, brute, you know, guy. He's a he's a skinny kid, but there's something about him, the scrappiness. That... I, yeah, I almost didn't want him to be an exceptional. Oh, mm -hmm. that was the kid who did the thing. Right. I want him to be like, oh, he's a war he's boy just, who found yeah. his remarkable calling by just by devotion and being open to new things. It's something yeah. about that I thought would. Anyway, so. That happens, but then the Morton Joe backstory I think is fucking rad. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool because he's a military guy mm -hmm. who uh, is is basically building up his forces when he comes upon um, Citadel. The, the, well, when he, when he comes upon the the guy who will become the people leader, right? Um, and gets information from him that you know he's about to kill him, and he's like, wait, 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 I know where there's water, and he's like, do yeah. tell. Yeah. And um, known as the fat man, known and as, then Major Kalishnikov is the bullet farmer. As, as, as the bullet farmer, that's right. And they they talk about how. <coughs> 
on their way to, to finding the Citadel, he, he comes across a lead mine, which becomes the Bullet, Bullet Farm. Farm, and they come across an old refinery, which becomes Gastown. Um, and he puts these two guys in charge. Um, but he is a, he's a ruthless military leader who, when he gets to the, when they find the, uh, the Citadel, or before it becomes the Citadel, the aquifer, he, uh, he tries to, well, first he tries to talk his way in, and that's not going to work because they're too clever. Or they, they, they know that, you know, they've got something that everybody's going to want. Um, but he, he finds a way in and is, and is ruthless. And in the taking of the Citadel, a legend is born that everybody thought that there's no way he could have survived. But he, he survives and becomes the Immorta. And made, and made the most of that legend. He stoked the fires of that oh, yeah. legend in order to promote his own sort of, like, glorification. Um, we also, in this... Um, uh, get the a little bit of backstory about the three the three kids and this is all by the way very cleverly structured as a myth being told by the first history man um, right. about how the citadel came to be right but we have I'll just read here since I have the comic book also Fantastic. in my hands um, a couple things in reference to a Morton Joe it says and so the man became a god but the god was troubled he had three sons Scrotus a psychopathic killer. Rictus Erectus, a Herculean man-child, and Corpus Callosum, written here, right. a man in the body of a child, true products of the wasteland and his twisted self, none of them capable of carrying on his vision for the future. So the idea here, I think, is that there's these three kids, all named, um, uh, the first two at least named, and very puerile, Mm -hmm. Scrotus and Rictus Erectus. I mean, yeah. they're, they're obviously, it, it, it's perfectly done. It's a... Uh, uh, <coughs> a man-child trying to sound intelligent was what it sounds like. They yeah. once again Latin names: yeah. a Morton Joe, Rictus Erectus, Corpus Colossus, and Scrotus. But it's all—they're all puerile dick jokes, basically. Yeah, and um, worth noting that Scrotus, who doesn't appear in the film, is the lead heavy in the video game. Which, which uh, maybe we'll play. do an episode on the video yeah, game. Yeah, once we have six hours to kill. Right. Or sit down and play. I mean, one thing Yuri has now as a father is free time. Yeah, lots of it. You know, um, I, I thought that that was going to be the case. It's really not the case. Is it not? Because I, really I thought for sure, everyone says when you have a kid, you have your you just free time have doubles. To, yeah, everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's so easy. I don't know <laughs> no why you thought. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, so, oh, so Scrotus. So Scrotus. Yeah, but also, but, um, they say that the search for the heir was on, basically. And he, mm -hmm. he took all the, the breeding stock he could find around the area, captured them, and impregnated as many as he could. They had three tries mm. to produce a healthy male heir for him. If they didn't, mm. they were tossed out among the wretched. So, mm. theoretically, some of the people we see that are very broken, who are trying to get water at the top and back of the film, are the previous wives, possibly yeah. for him, yeah. who failed to produce a healthy male heir. Right. And, so, were, and were thrown out on which, their keisters. On their keisters, which, let me tell you, that's just good capitalism. That it puts <laughs> the onus on the woman to create a healthy child, to protect herself, and to feed herself well. That's right. It's, it's incentivizing. Basically, basically her fault. If, I mean, it's incentivizing. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. just clever incentivizing, Gary, <laughs> from a from a, uh, a a technical and economic uh, perspective. Um, yeah. So that's the first but comic. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's uh, yeah. That's that's where we get in the first comic. The 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 second one deals with uh, Furiosa and and the wives. Again, this one also is is just bookended, just FYI, as mm -hmm. a story from the first history man. Yep. Quickly on that too, and I'll let yeah. you, I'll let you take this Furiosa. Oh, one please. Little bit. Um, I, I I just I really like the mythic structure of the comic books, which is not as overt in the film, which I also like. I think it's clever mm -hmm. to not make it so clear and overt in the film that it's a 
myth. It's just the language that it traffics in. But here, in the comic book, I mean, graphic novels, I should call it. The graphic novels also, um, is you know, you're a cool guy. Are, are comic books yeah, considered arguably. derogatory, or is it graphic novels the preferred nomenclature? Uh, you know, I mean, for, for people who, who read comic books, they, they, we don't give a fuck. But, but for, for them to become uh, accepted as something... Yeah, you know, it was it was a, it was a transition period before before Comic Con became what it was. Before, uh, you know, nerds were cool. Um, somebody had to come up with a way to legitimize comic books because they had because the stories that were being told were legitimate stories. Yeah. Um, and so they came up with graphic novel, which sounds somehow is there much no more... technical difference between the art forms? No. I, I would say no. I would say it was it was more colloquially known as a comic book before, and then when when it became something that that cultured people actually and non you know basement dwellers would read that they had to they had to call it something else. Right. Well, then what and what made the top hundred novels of all time? So I feel like that was changed. That, was that the Dark Knight Returns? No, no, no. Uh, it's the one where the the giant blue penis. With a Billy Crow, oh, Watchmen. Giant Blue Penis. Watchmen. Yeah. A, yes. Okay. A, I prefer to refer to it as, as, giant, as Blue Penis. giant Blue Sorry. Penis. Fair enough. Um, but no, that was named one of the top 100 novels of all time by... Well, there you go. You know, Alan, Alan Moore, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that, and that, that's a novel. That's inarguably mm. a novel. So, I, listen, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, let, anyway. me, let me just go to... Uh, I love uh, the, the, the use of the word Fukushima. That's a big rock. Like, he, this, uh, it was the, um, the General Kalashnikov... Uh, uses uh, Fukushima yeah. as a uh, as a curse word a lot in That's here. Funny. Fukushima. Um, I love that they uh, that they bring in the storm. Mm -hmm. They talk about the storm. They use it as a device in, in the comic, but also um, you know the, the storm is such a huge deal. I mean, for you and me both. I mean, you know, when we talk about the storm in the film, it's a it's it's such a uh, uh, literally a force of nature and, and something really cool that we've never seen before. Um, and there's a lot of stuff implied about the storm. Um, I've I've always implied that, uh, or or read into the uh, to what we see in the film about it that it's a magnetic storm that there is a magnetic quality to it. Mm -hmm. And when they talk about it in the comic book, they you know the storm rolls in and then afterwards the the air is really clear and it's almost as if it's you know it's pulled out a lot of the 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 poison or the you know the the, the heavy metals whatever mm -hmm. is in mm -hmm. the air that's poisoning everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a violent thing, but then after it's swept through. Um, you know, leaves everything a little cleaner. I like that. I do um, like that a lot. Uh, so, so the the second one uh, again is uh, Furiosa and the Wives, and is 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 less about going into Furiosa a lot of Furiosa's backstory because they don't talk about um, you know either her time as a wife or the time that uh, I mean you know a lot of it is inferred as much as it is in the movie you know that she grew up and was taken and uh, has tried to go back. Um, but, and has, you know, become one of, one of Immortan Joe's, um, generals, mm -hmm. as, as, as it were. Imperator. Uh, Imperator. Imperator. They're saving all that for the, the prequel movie, I assume. Yeah, I guess, I, you know, I, you know, I would imagine that that's probably why they, they pulled a lot of that stuff That's out. what I think, yeah. Anything that may have been used, or may, may will, mm -hmm. may will, might be used. That's right. the word. May sure. will is not even a phrase that anyone would It is use. now. Ugh. 
Rectus um, Travis <laughs> Travis Erectus. Oh, not right now. <laughs> Travis <laughs> Deflatus. Oh, Sadly. Travis Flacidius. <laughs> Travis Flacidius. That was so gross. So, but the idea is that uh, he brings her in, and I, I, I didn't catch this the first time, he brings her in to guard the wives basically against Rictus. Yeah. Can I read some of that? Yeah. I think this is really, really cool. So, um, let me just back up a little bit um, uh, into where the, they start talking about the breeders. Uh, his five wives, Morton Joe, in a vault where he gave them filtered air and water, he believed he could control the world, that he could master it, remake it, repopulate it in his own image. No precaution was too great to ensure healthy male heirs, strong children to carry on his vision and justify his tyranny. But he made one fatal error. To guard against depression and mental Ill- ills, he gave the girls an education, books and music. He gave them a teacher. He gave them Miss Giddy, like myself, a keeper of history of knowledge. And here, this is interesting. And knowledge has a way of igniting dissent and inciting revolution. Uh So that's just an interesting, cool little phrase I wanted to read. But then um, they have the scene where uh, Rictus is watching one of the babies being born, being delivered by the organic mechanic. And he says, ovulatum maximum, which is, again, Roman speak for she's fully dilated, I think. Or, uh, or, or maybe she's, she's, uh, it, it's not maybe that the, the a boy is being born or uh, a child's being born, but that she's ready right. for. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because he says. She's uh, at that point in her cycle. She says they're all ovulating simultaneously. And then Rictus says, pretty, pretty poozle. And Corpus Callosum says, brother, restraint. And so, uh, uh, basically, um, Rictus is the, the male horse, um, smelling the scent of, of yeah. fertility uh, around him. Everyone's in heat. And he he keeps calling them pretty poozles, and uh, and he wa- he wants healthy babies, so I think that is gross. Yeah, <laughs> so it I'm is. Say- no, this yeah, there's there's a lot of sufficiently gross stuff in here. Um, you know, and more Joe's made out to be you know horrible, horribly disgusting and and you know impostulated, and um, the organic mechanic who is you know gross to start with is is portrayed in 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 a, in a horribly gross fashion as well, which which is 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 exactly the way I'd want it. Yeah. Um. One of the things we, we learn uh, here is that uh, that uh, Splendid tries to abort her baby, mm-hmm. um, the baby that then we see her pregnant with in the film, and Furiosa is the one who stops her. Incredible. Also, that uh, Organic Mechanic mm-hmm. gives uh, Morton Joe shots of basically Viagra yeah. to keep him yeah. uh, erectus. Erectus. <laughs> very, very nice. Um, but it is, you know... As, as as we go through the this, this next part, it's it's really about the the developing of the relationship between Furiosa and the wives, and her sort of coming around to their side, because it, at first she is not very um, she's not very sympathetic to their cause. She's like, you guys have it good. Yeah. You know, don't how can you how can you be you know, trying to kill this 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 baby and and you know be, be uh, you know ungrateful for. Because because she is in a in a bad place too, mm-hmm. um, and I wish that and I usually blame myself for these sort of things that I didn't quite um, I didn't quite get the the turn as to exactly what turns Furiosa and it it is it is gradual I mean they they do take their time getting there um, but I kind of wish there was a, a a thing and it's probably because I've missed it and I need to go back and read the comic again or you guys need to read the comic or have read the comic and tell me where I'm wrong. Um, as to what really turns Furiosa into the woman who says, "I'm going to, I'm going to free you guys. I, can talk I need a little, to free you guys." I can talk a little bit to that. I think okay. I, I don't, I don't have it for sure, but um, there's a seg- there's a segment here where 
Uh, basically, uh, Furiosa finds Splendid Ungarad trying mm -hmm. to give herself an abortion, stops her, they get in a big fight, uh, where, as Yuri said, she's like, you guys have it good, you'd be maggot food out there, you'd be fucked up, just enjoy it. I know it fucking sucks, but it's actually worse outside. They got in a fight, it says the silence lasted for weeks, but all things end. And uh, Splendid Ungarad says to Furiosa, you were one of us once, weren't you? One of his wives, what happened? And uh, Furiosa doesn't answer. Um, and then um, she says, I'm, I'm keeping my baby. And Furiosa says, good. And Splendid Angarad says, I'm not doing it for him, though. My baby's not going to be a warlord. We need to get away from here, little one. Um, you got out. You survived. So can we. There has to be a better place out there somewhere. So I, I, And then she talks to her child. I promise you, little one. I promise you one day we'll find it. And so <clears throat> I think it's a two things. It's one, it's Furiosa is told that you got out of this wife situation somehow. You became mm -hmm. something better and bigger. You have a better mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So I, I have hope because of what you did. You gave me hope. So I think that hits Furiosa. Yeah. Um, she, you know, hope hope is a mistake. Right. Hope is, I mean, yeah. she, she, yeah, she gave that. them hope here. Mm -hmm. that she, they basically say, you got out of this. Um, so I, I now have hope that I can get out of this too. Right. And then she says, um, I, there has to be a better place out there somewhere. And then it gives us just a panel of Furiosa listening, and she does know that there is a better place. That There's she came... a place for us. <laughs> she she comes from a better place. Um, that you know, one of the things that I really did enjoy about this particular segment was seeing some of the things, seeing the wives in that environment. We never see in the film the wives learning, doing things. You know, what what they spend their time doing when they're you know in between waiting to be, you know, impregnated by, you know, raped by, by Immortan Joe. Um, and they, they, they put on these little plays, they make fun of him. They, you know, they, it's, 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 it's the fun and games of, you know, if, if you can have fun and games in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the learning, you know, the teaching, you know, Ms. Giddy's uh, teaching, um, that was the stuff that I really found yeah, um, really interesting. I know, agree. And, the and, the and behind fun. the scenes. I mean, it's scenes... hard to find any of you know what happens in this segment. You know, fun. Yeah. Um. So maybe that's why I gravitated towards it. But yeah, the behind the scenes of of the torture. Right. Uh, in the way that wives will get together and make fun mm -hmm. of him, put on plays like Yuri said, or play music, or tell stories mm -hmm. about was he was he gross tonight? Because he was gross yeah. tonight for me. Right. It's like that that the real the real talk, the real underbelly mm -hmm. of a terrible situation. It's pretty interesting to think about. And the movie yeah. does a good job of thinking... I mean, anytime you brainstorm holistically about your film, your story, or your characters, you're going to find these interesting things. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's, you know, how the monster's at rest, like Yuri likes, or the, the, the unexpected character traits that develop by thinking about the character when, when he's not, he or she's not on screen. What are mm -hmm. they doing? Mm -hmm. You get these really interesting things. And they've obviously thought through all this because yeah. a lot of it's backloaded into the comic books. And um, I, I love how at the end it also answers, you know, one, one of the things early on, I said, you know, Ms. Ms. Giddy has him dead to rights with that shotgun. How does she, how does she not shoot Immortan Joe in the face when mm -hmm. he comes in? If that's especially all she's been planning was, was hey, uh, you know, they, they, they're escaped. You don't get them. Now I'm going to kill you. Um, and, and she doesn't. They even deal with that because they, they, she says, you know, I've been saving this gun under my bed. I've never fired a gun before, um, but I've, you know, saved it for a moment like this. If you've never fired a gun before, of course, you know, I mean, it's going to be so much more difficult to pull a trigger yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I, so so I, I, I love that they came in and even answered that question jerks, for me. Jerks, 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 um, hate you. Another question that gets a little attention that we've had or brought up mm -hmm. on this podcast. Um, Furiosa says, there's a place... A green place, the land of many mothers. There were plants, trees, even animals. There were men, but it was women who ran it. They grew food, cared for children. 
There was hope for the future. I tried to return many times. Each time I failed. I'm not even sure mm -hmm. if it's there anymore. Yeah. So there is so, a sense yeah. that she's tried to do that. I know you had a different answer yeah. to that line, but the fact but, that she's tried many times. But yeah, times. she's tried to escape. Yeah, she's yeah. tried to go back. Yeah, and um, failed every time. Mm -hmm. um, See, if I just paid attention when I first read the comic book, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have agonized over that every time we watched the film. But then we wouldn't have had so much fun. It's true. We had, so, you know, I, I don't mean this badly. I just think. You mean it goodly? I mean bigly. Uh, no, I do. I do mean that uh, seeing you uh, agitated it brings me pleasure. <laughs> That's all I mean. So anyway, then then the, then the wives. We also see, get to see where the wives get fitted by the uh, the chastity belts made by the organic right. mechanic. Right. Or, or rape, rape axes is what they call them in, <coughs> oh, the, in the comic. Yeah. So fucked up. Yeah. Now we're wearing rape axes. Said by Zoe Kravitz in the comic book. Yes. I mean, even the performance in the comic book is quite lacking, I would say. <laughs> you, had to, you had to get a dig in, didn't you? Oh, I saw today that she's going to be the new Fantastic Beasts movie. Oh, is she really? Yeah, it says Zoe Kravitz in, an un in, a, in a mysterious role, says Entertainment Weekly. Well, fucking, as if that's a teaser to anybody who gives a shit. <laughs> oh, great, let's go see Zoe Kravitz in a the mystery in, role. In the, right, in the uh, mystery role in Fantastic Beasts. Have you seen Fantastic Beasts? No. Is it good? Um, no. Great. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> there's some fun stuff in it, but it's not. It's not a good movie. It's a weird. It's a weirdly paced and a weirdly structured movie with a very odd choice for a, a leading a leading character. I don't think Eddie Redmayne's very good. Is that ter is that That's, fucking that is terrible to say? I thought um, so. because I thought he was great in uh, get this in in when he played. Um, um, wow. Um, What's happening right now? Uh, Do you I'm, smell burning toast? I, I, I smell, I smell, I smell, I smell burnt toast. Uh, uh, when in the the biopic that he did, uh, oh, theory, theory, of theory of everything. He's great in that. He's just playing he's, himself. He's great in that. Though. But I also he was the one character that I loved in um, Jupiter Rising. You've got to be kidding me! He's terrible in that movie. Yuri, sidebar. He was okay. He was the only person who did something, who who tried something in that movie. Yeah. Cause, well, here's here's what he tried. He'd be talking, and then he'd be shouting, and then he'd be talking, and then he'd be shouting. He'd say, "I want some porridge." Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I felt he was he was chewing scenery in a way that made me really enjoy the movie, and that nobody else seemed to get that they could do to make that movie. You better. know, who chews scenery in a great way is Al Pacino in Scarface. I just watched it. That's acceptable. Eddie Redmayne in and Jupiter. In a, yeah, fine, great. Yeah. He can chew it. Eddie Redmayne looks like he is reading off a cue card and can't modulate his own voice. Okay. Agree to disagree. <laughs> That's okay. We can agree to disagree about Eddie Redmayne. Um, any, anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the I've writing heard, of the character and the character choices that are really weird. I've heard he's very good in that one, re The Danish Girl. Uh, yes, I have not seen that. Okay. I'm, I'm prepared to grant that he's probably great in that movie. I think Theory of Everything, he's fine. I would love to see him in himself. the next Mad Max film. What? Right? Playing who? Doesn't who? matter. It'd be interesting, right? Oh. Stephen Hawking Erectus? <laughs> Yes, Hawkus Erectus. Hawkus Erectus. Uh, so that's the that's the wives for your backstory. Yep. Um, and then uh, we get into the Max's tale, basically, which is which is a two parter. The, um, the wives. I mean, uh, just guys again, go read so. it. There's it's... some really great backstory. We're not doing it justice because we don't want to summarize it, but um, there's some really rad stuff. And the drawings yeah. are so stylistically yeah, the, dope. Yeah, the art is is great. I mean, real real good. Um, okay, so yeah, go check it out. But that's yeah. that's the stuff there. So, also, different. Sorry, sorry. Are you keep, don't do, keep interrupting me, Yuri. I'm really sorry. I'm not meaning to be, but I just wanted to point out that the the credits of um, some of the stories. 
I think differ a little bit. I think we should just give credit where credit is due. Um, Do it. Uh, so far, they're actually the same. I lied to you. Uh, but yeah, the George Miller story, Mark Sexton and Nico Lathuris uh, doing the script on all these. And the art is what's credited differently. So in the one we're just coming into, Mark Sexton does all of the art for it. Wow. Michael Spicer, color, Clem Robbins, letters. But Mark Sexton does all of the art for the, Mad, the Max Part 1 one. And it's fucking great, man. It's just really fucking good. Yeah, it, it, it starts with basically what we did with this podcast, which is a recap of the first three movies. Yeah, yeah, which is helpful. Yeah. Because we had to do that. Not, not entirely needed, but I, but I liked seeing it. I liked seeing what they felt was sort of important. Yeah, I liked yeah. I hearing them, you know, tell, tell the story. That's super smart. Yeah. Uh, what did they highlight, Yuri? Uh, well, I, I will tell you exactly what they highlight. Um, they, uh, that uh, he was a, uh, well, they, you know, the, the, the oil wars that led to the water wars. Mm -hmm. Then um, that they need, you know, they needed people to, to uh, be law keepers. And that was his job. And that he lost his family. That his family was killed. Real question. He, he didn't lose them. Real question. And this is, let's have real talk here yeah. for a second. Okay, real talk. So in the first two comic books, and then also in the third, there was a remarkable attention to character detail, where you can see Nathan Jones, you can see Quentin Callahan, mm. uh, Callahan, sorry, mm. Quentin Callahan. You can see uh, the Bullet Farmer and and the mm -hmm. the People Eater. Uh, mm -hmm. All these characters are look like they do in the movie. Yes. And did they not have the rights to Mel Gibson's likeness? Oh, very interesting. Thank you. But tell me, I'm wrong. I think you're right. So everyone in the book, including the, including his wife, or or were they trying to make it look more like the Tom Hardy? The Tom Hardy. I don't know because he doesn't look entirely like Tom Hardy either. No, it seems. But he looks more like Tom Hardy. Correct, but it also this is. I mean, go back one. This doesn't look like Tom Hardy. No, that doesn't look like Tom. That's Hardy. just a guy. They made him a guy. But this looks like his wife in the first movie. I th I would argue. Yeah, right? I would. I would argue right. And so, and Wes looks like Wes. Yeah, Wiz. 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 Uh, yeah, everyone looks like their character except for uh, uh, Mel Gibson. So I wonder if they just didn't have the fucking rights to Mel Gibson's likeness. Yeah, maybe they were worried about that. Yeah. Mark, if you're listening, that's my guess. Because obviously you can draw everybody perfectly. Even even Tina Turner looks closer to Tina Turner than, and, yeah. than Mel Gibson. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so I just wanted to point that out. But yes, everybody's heard the first three But films. it is nice. The, the, the points that they, um, that they hit are... That you know he has his demons. He you know he is driven by um, by survival. Mm -hmm. um, he is constantly trying to um, you know just get the things that he needs, um, and not and he's he's always leaving groups. He's never you know trying to to join up with anybody as he as he goes through. Yeah. Um, which which does set up that character that we see in the beginning. Yes. Um, in search of his better self, they sort of end that up, or they they end that that whole rehash with. In search of his better self, mm -hmm. where must we wander? Those who have wandered the wasteland. What is it? In search, in search of our better, better selves. selves yeah. um, but so he ends up uh, sort of at the beginning of this story. Once they've finished the recap at uh, Gastown, um, where he's going to to enter uh, the Thunderdome that they have at Gastown. I guess Thunderdomes are all over the place. It's a sick ass fight a, sequence. It, it is a sick ass. And it's like a it's ten page bitchin' fight sequence. You yeah, guys. and and he goes because he's uh, he's there. Because he knows that uh, the the winner of this particular bout at Thunderdome gets the uh, the, 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 the V eight yeah the engine of the gods that he needs to fix his interceptor that yeah. he needs to to 
to build the interceptor. Yeah, and Max is a badass, is all we're saying. They they repeat uh, the in, in in two panels the uh, the scene the one scene that I love from Thunderdome, which is him getting rid of all his weapons when they say you have to drop I all your you weapons here. I thought you said the blind saxophone player was your favorite part of Thunderdome. That was not my favorite really? part of Thunderdome. Wow, I, I feel like sometimes I don't even know you. Because I thought for sure that was your favorite part. Oh, you know, you're, you're right. You love you're right. the blind, the blind saxophone. saxophone player was actually my you favorite. You love that guy. He's my... The he's Japanese my, blind saxophone player. He may be my favorite character in all four movies <laughs> oh. put together. I will say George Miller has an eye for oddities in terms of, like, cool casting. Like, blind Japanese saxophone player is mm. just a niche. Yeah. It's really good. Anyway, sorry, go on. So he gets so he gets into this gladiatorial fight in in the Thunderdome. Uh, one of the things that we really get here, we see we see a little bit of the, the people leader sort of presiding over uh, this whole thing. We get a little little bit of him, um, but most impressively, and one of the things that I really like that they they kept coming back to in this tale of Max is we see a lot more uh, about the buzzards. Yes, um, and you, you will be happy to to hear that whenever they uh, and you probably noticed this, yeah. but they have the one guy who sort of speaks for them in broken English. Yep, not Russian though necessarily. Well, not 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 Russian necessarily, but broken English. And then whenever they're talking amongst themselves, it's always got the brackets that show that it's another language. Yeah, yeah. But they don't want to have to. Yep. Do that. Um, translate. I, I was actually looking very very uh, closely at that language on the, for the buzzards, especially mm -hmm. in the, the next scene when they like giving a giving Max a long, a long talk. Um, to see if I thought it, it sounded like Russian, mm -hmm. I don't think it does. But but listen, the idea that, Ma that, that that George Miller has backstory on these guys, going back to mm. Thunderdome, gives credence to everything <coughs> Mark Mangini said about why they're Russian or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, and that they're that they're outcasts even among this band of outcasts. Yeah. They're everybody hates the buzzards. Yeah, they're just jerks. They're like yeah, they're, yeah. It does seem like it's not Russian though. Sort of yeah, I, I, and I agree. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, and. Uh, and I love that they, they have an open, you know, in the uh, Ladies and Gentlemen, Boys and Girls Dying Times here is the way they, in Thunderdome, yeah. the way he sort of introduces. And in this one, it's, and we wait for the sirens, dread note of fear, ready, get steady, dying times here. Woo! Just, ah, just give me, give it's me chills. so good. Um, so, so obviously Max is, uh, you know, uh, comes away triumphant from this fight. You read it yourself, it is, uh, it is fun. But he is helped um, by uh, a lady. A, a lady. A beautiful a lady, lady. A beautiful lady. Um, who, who basically sort of helps him cheat. You know, not. I mean, everybody's cheating in this fight, let's be honest. It's the wasteland. Yeah. I mean, but listen, cheating is only cheating if, if you don't get away with it. Right. If you get away with it, it's called victory. Well, he, he thought so, and he gets the engine, and he's, uh, he's going to put his uh, engine in the interceptor, and uh, the buzzards who he beat... Um, but to, uh, the ones he didn't kill, though. The friends of the ones he killed. Yes. We'll uh, come after him and uh, fuck him up. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, big time. Uh, basically, leave him for dead. It is a neat idea, though. They and this is a George Miller doctor this thing here. I'm sure George Miller came up with this. He said, um, "I'll give you a fighting chance. I'll put a blade in your femoral artery, pull it out, and then there's a risk there that you could make it. I'll give you a fighting right. chance. I'll give you a fighting so you, chance. You, gotta, right. you have to find help before you bleed out. Right, right. Stab you, can... you right in the femoral artery. And here's the thing: thing. if you leave it in, yeah. Um, you have a, you have a, a long time before you die. Yeah, but it hurts. But worse. right, but and if you but if you take it out to cut your restraints, right. you're gonna die. You're gonna bleed out fast. Yeah, really smart. So and 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 he's like, fuck it, I'm taking the knife out. Yeah. And uh, but is is saved by this woman who had saved him before. So good. She really wants a piece of that Max. <laughs> she she does. Actually, she just wants him to help her. 
Yeah, fair enough. Find or find her, her daughter. And then we get into Mad Max Part Two, also mm -hmm. solo art by Mark Sexton, script by Mark Sexton and Nico Lathuris. So, again, Mark's really killing this thing. He's killing it. Now, who was it who told us that um, it was Matt Bow, I think, who said that um, there's the idea that there's um, an underground um, shopping mall somewhere that they can get, that there is still stuff to get. Somebody, I don't some, remember do you that. you remember that? Maybe I... I don't know if I always Maybe I read attention. that in The Art of Mad Max Fury Road, which is also a book that we should... It's, it's, which I had not read yet. Well, and I'm still working my way through, um, and I feel like an idiot that I'm... That I'm, only, that I'm only doing it now because, again, it answers a lot of our questions and it has all sorts of great stuff in it. As a general introduction to what you're about to say, do you think it's fair to say that the little girl he sees in flashbacks in the film is this girl? I struggle with that um, because I would like to say, yes, this is one of the people that he let die. Yes. Um, and it, it, who, was, who was clearly in the film not his daughter. Correct. Um, because as far as we know, he didn't have a daughter in, you know, in... in Max in, is in, a virgin. We in, all know that. Right. In Mad Max, it's a... Well, no, in Mad Max, he had a son, so... He's a virgin. He's a virgin. Artificial insemination. <laughs> clearly. Obviously. He is clearly uh, a virgin. The reason the argument for it, I would say, is yes. that they spend a extravagant amount of time on this woman and her daughter. Yeah. I would say. In the in the context of a, of a um, series of, of comics or graphic novels about the prelude to Mad Max... Um, backstory mm -hmm. of all these major, major, major characters. They spend most of the time, of, more than any other character, I would say, mm -hmm. on the girl and her mother mm -hmm. in the comics. So that yep. leads me to think that that's like the most unexplored I, backstory of the film, which is the flashback people. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it makes total sense. Yeah, but but again, I, I don't know if it looks precisely the same as the girl. Um, I have a, uh, a continuity issue. Tell me. Um, which is that um, he says, "How will I know her?" And he says, "She's got a charm around her neck, a winged horse." And then when he finds her, he see it's a unicorn. Oh, it's not a winged. It's not a Pegasus. It's not a winged. That's horn. interesting though. That they'd be a mythical horse creature. Right. Also, um, at that point, he says, "Here, uh, your mom sent me to get you. Uh, this, uh, she told me to give you this teddy bear." But they never established that that was that, that was the case. Wasn't there a teddy bear in uh, Thunderdome? Is that a thing I made up? It doesn't matter. I want to. I want to say you did not make that up. Okay. Anyway, um, it's 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 more of an exploration of he, you know he goes to to save the, the the young girl, but and and it's I mean part of this is is uh, this is sort of the the horror movie turn. They're they're trapped underneath the uh, he goes to find her. And they're trapped underneath uh, this uh, underground shopping mall that's been caved in. The and buzzards in, on every the side. The buzzards on every yeah. It's sort of the raid. It's you know they're 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 in the darkness. He's he's he has to you know fight his way out um, to save her, but. He's not leaving without his car. No, fuck no. He's Mad Max, y'all. Yeah. yeah, so... He's doing that shit. So he goes and, and he finds his... Uh, they, they're about to escape, you know, scot-free, and he's like, wait, no. No, yeah. I, gotta, I gotta go even into the belly of the beast to... She's like, don't go in there. There's a... You know, it's, it's even worse. And he's like, I'm, I'm not leaving without my car. Yeah, yeah. So... Also important, this comic book starts with her name is Glory. Um, that's the name of the girl, and I think that's really cool. Oh, okay. Because he's going for glory. He's going, no guts, no glory. No guts, no glory. Fortune um, and glory, kid. Fortune <laughs> and glory. Also, uh, just in terms of a uh, parallel ending thing here, um, there, uh, and this lends credence to what I was saying before. Let me just read the end. Uh, basically, not the end, but the the almost ending mm -hmm. of this comic book. Um, though he gets the he gets the girl back, brings her to the mom. She comes and says, "We're ready to move on, warrior." 
you honored your debt, you're a man of principle, it's a rare thing these days. There's a place for you with us if you want. You don't have to be alone anymore. What's very important about this to me is that it's the same offer Furiosa makes, the one he turns down and then recants on. So mm -hmm. what, it's important to note what happens here to this character is that he says, she says, uh, you don't have to be alone anymore, come with us basically. Mm -hmm. uh, his response is dot, 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 no. Yeah. Right? right? They drive off and he says to himself as he's driving off, he says, don't look back, don't look back, don't look. He looks in, then he looks in his rear view, sees mm -hmm. them, turns around, drives after them. Little girl says, mom, look. He changes his mind, he's coming back, and she says, no, something's wrong. And then the buzzards blast the fuck out of the mom and the daughter. Um, he could have saved them if he had been with them. He could have saved them, and he chose little, not to. Too late. So this has to be the flashbacks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it has to be. Yeah. I'm going to, yes. Because the next thing is two crosses. Obviously, he's buried them. Yeah. Um, vengeance can never balance out loss, nor can it bring the dead back to life, which is a, that echoes a line in the movie. Mm -hmm. There is no peace to be had, there only pain and madness. So, anyway, super cool. Anyway, so then it goes back uh, to the, the first history man, making sure we understand that this is actually all blanketed in the same bookended structure as the, the first two comics, mm -hmm. which is the first history man giving you the mm -hmm. tale of how Max came to be. Love it. Yeah, really smart. And then, and when, and then we get the, uh, and I don't want to go too much in detail on this because it really is a fun ride, and if you if you haven't read it, you should. Um, it's it's the tale of the war rig. I mean, the war rig is clearly this had to have been you know hours and hours and hours of discussion with you know between um, uh, Brendan and George and Colin and you know deciding what makes you know what 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 is the history? How did this this semi turn into this battle war rig? And, it, and they go into all the different vehicles that make up the part, uh, you know, parts of the war rig and how they all came to be a part of the war rig. So and it's, it's a great, it's, it's great world building and tells you a lot about what happens, you know, in between the time that the world falls and the time that, you know, we get to in the movie. Yeah. Um, and not, not just good world building, but just good storytelling, man. Like, and character, you, have... you, what you said about, you know, the war rig being a character. It is yeah. character building for the, for the war rig. Yeah. And, and I, I have to imagine that, that basically the designers started to come up with this backstory, I'm sure, in conjunction with George. And they just had so much, so many cool ideas yeah. they were enthused with that they thought, mm -hmm. you yeah, know, this is worth telling people because it's yeah. such a neat story. Um, and it's really a clever structure to this comic too. They just add the they had tell the brief backstory of each of the pieces of the war rig. So mm -hmm. the tanker, down, yeah, the twin engines, down down to the doll heads mm -hmm. that adorn it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and the skulls uh, dipped in pitch that are on. It's it's clever, guys. It's, go read it because it's bitching, and I'm yeah. sure Mark Sexton gets ten cents for every one you buy. I, I hope he gets at least that much. Um, um, yeah, and of course, of course, now, now now all the people listening are like, D -d -d yeah, we yeah we read the comic guy. We uh, yeah, like we listen to your yeah, stupid yeah, podcast. Yeah, we listen to your stupid podcast and, and yeah. had to put up with you not knowing because you should have read the comic. Yeah, but now guys, um, uh, but it's 40, worth, If you thought that it wasn't worth reading because you're like, I don't want to read a bullshit comic. If you were but, like yeah. me, thirty weeks ago, uh, acknowledge that you can change, guys. If there's one thing American politics has taught us is that we're comfortable being wrong and changing our minds. So do that. Do that. If you haven't read it, please re please read them. Um, Forty eight weeks in, uh, we have a lot more adventures coming up. In the coming weeks, guys. God, I hope so. Yeah, we are really, we're really doing some good shit here. Yeah, we are. We're doing the Lord's work. We're doing the Lord's work, you guys. My name is Yuri Lowenthal. My name is Travis Sintel. And you are awaited.